So these verses are about which battle? The battle of Ahzab, which is also known as the battle of Khandaq. And the first few ayat, they vividly describe the atmosphere that was created in the city of Medina, the state that the Muslims were in, that how the enemy came from above and from below. They joined forces in order together come against the Muslims and destroy them once and for all. And the Muslims, they were overcome with so much fear that their eyes, their vision was shifting. They weren't able to focus on one thing. Why? Out of extreme fear. And their hearts were as if going to come out of their mouths. They were up to their throats. And this shows the fear that the Muslims were experiencing. And this went on for at least 20 to 30 days. Minimum 20 up to a month at least. This is how long the siege was. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He let the storm happen and He also made it pass. And this whole time, what is it that was happening? The believers were being tested. Because it is through tests, through difficulties, through trials that our realities, they are exposed. That what is hidden, what is inside, rises to the surface. It comes out. You know, for example, if there is garbage on the ground, hmm, and that place gets flooded, what is going to rise to the top? Garbage. Isn't it? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us in difficulties and in difficult situations in our personal lives and also as communities, as families, at a greater level. Why? So that we become more familiar with ourselves. Because... Really, if each and every one of us was to ask ourselves, am I honest? Am I committed? We would say, yes, of course. I'm very nice, right? I'm very polite. I'm very committed. I'm very sweet when it comes to talking to people. I'm very forgiving. All check mark, check mark, check mark, right? But it is in difficult situations that we really become familiar with who we truly are. So we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says at the beginning that وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ He was watching whatever that you were doing. And then we see that different reactions are mentioned over here. First of all, there's a whole group of verses about the reaction of the hypocrites or those with weak faith. How was their reaction to this whole battle, to this whole incident? How is it that they reacted? Tell me specific points that we learned in the surah. So raise your hand. What was the reaction of the hypocrites or those with weak faith? At this crucial time. Go ahead. Okay. They told the Muslims to leave their positions and go back to their homes. Okay. What else did they do? Okay. They doubted Allah. Okay. Okay. They said that their houses, their properties, their families were exposed. They were worried about their own welfare, their own safety at the cost of the safety, the welfare of all of the Muslims. What else? Okay, they immediately distance themselves from Islam. How? And why is it that they do that? They distance themselves from Islam, from Muslims, so that just in case Muslims do suffer over here, because the Ahzab were of course too many, right? So if the Muslims were to be defeated at this time, they distance themselves from Islam so that they wouldn't suffer. Alright? How did they do that? They distance themselves from Islam by calling Medina as Yathrib. Okay, what else did they do? Exactly. They said that Allah and His Messenger have promised us nothing except delusion, meaning it's all false promises. Hmm? Did they discourage the Muslims in general? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes them as mu'awwiqeen. 
Hmm? That those who hindered others, that they weren't doing anything good themselves, and at the same time they were discouraging others also. You know, for instance, if we are not able to do something good ourselves, at least we should encourage others. Right? Or at least those who are doing it, we should let them do it in peace. So we see that all of these verses, they show that there are some people who appear to be Muslim, but their loyalties are not really with Islam. They're not truly committed with Islam. They're not really committed. Because if they were committed, then at these times of hardship, what would they do? They would defend Islam like they would defend themselves. You know, at the time when the Muslims pledged allegiance to the Prophet ﷺ at Aqaba, right, the Ansar, those who were inviting the Prophet ﷺ to Medina, they said that what are we supposed to do? Right? That what is it that we have to promise about? So the Prophet ﷺ, one of the things that he mentioned was that you defend me the way you defend your own selves or your own families. Alright? And defending the Prophet ﷺ, what did that mean? Defending Islam. Right? And then they asked that what is it that we will get in return? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Jannah. So they had promised that they would defend the cause of Islam the way they defend who? Themselves, their own properties, their own families. Just like a person cares about their own things, they care about their own image, they care about their own reputation, they would care about Islam the same way. Why? Because they are identified with Islam. Isn't it? So if we let, for example, Islam get attacked, the religion of Islam, the book of Allah, if we let that get attacked and we distance ourselves from it, saying that, oh no, 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 we don't read the Quran. Oh no, no, no. You know, it's just the words. You know, you don't really have to go deep into it. We distance ourselves from it just to please other people. This is hypocrisy. Right? So the Muslims... They had promised the Prophet ﷺ to defend Islam, to defend Rasul ﷺ. And at this time, at the Battle of Ahzab, what was their reaction? The true believers. They're the ones who defended the Prophet ﷺ to the best of their ability. So a whole lot of verses over here are about the munafiqun. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah number 20, that يَحْسَبُونَ الْأَحْزَابَ يَحْسَبُونَ They think. Who? who thinks the hypocrites, those with weak faith, they are so cowardly, they are so afraid on the inside, that they think that Al-Ahzaba, the confederates, لم يذهبوا, they have not gone. They have not yet left. Remember I mentioned to you earlier, that after a while when the siege was prolonged, what happened? The morale of the enemy, that also went low. So eventually with the extreme weather, Abu Sufyan, he got up, he left, and many other people, they also left. And eventually, all of the Ahzab, they had left the borders of Medina. But even after they had left, the hypocrites were so afraid that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَحْسَبُونَ They think that Al-Ahzab, the various confederates, لَمْ يَذْهَبُوا They have still not gone. Why do they feel like this? Out of their extreme fear and cowardice. You know, for example, if we're really afraid of something, if we're really afraid of something, like for instance, if you're really afraid of having ants in your kitchen, in your house, okay, inside your house, anywhere in your house, what happens? You make sure that they're gone, right? You call somebody into pest control or something, alright? And then afterwards you keep checking. Any black thing, any black spot on the ground, what is it that you do? You keep checking. Is it an ant? 
or is it lint from somebody's feet? You know? You keep checking. Why do you keep checking? Because you're paranoid. You don't want those ants in your house all over again. Right? And this is because you're extreme fear. I'm not saying that this fear is wrong in this particular case. Everybody is different. So, يَحْسَبُونَ الْأَحْزَابَ لَمْ يَذْهَبُوا The hypocrites are still so afraid after this whole episode is over that they still think that the enemy is right there. وَإِن and if يَأْتِ الْأَحْزَابُ If the confederates would come again. And by the way, the word أَحْزَاب is a plural of حِزْب. Alright? And حِزْب means group. حَزَبَ حَزَيْبَ حَزَبَ Literally means to befall, to happen, to occur. You know in hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ, إِذَا حَزَبَهُ أَمْرُ That when an affair, when a matter would befall him, what would he do? He would rush towards salah. Right? So, hazaba to happen, to occur. From this, the word hazaba al-amr. Hazaba al-amr is when the matter becomes serious. So, hazaba al-amr, the matter became serious. Hazaba. Hazaba is to rally, to form a party. Okay? When is it that people rally? They go out in the streets and they form groups and, and all of that. When? When something becomes too serious. Right? Over little issues, people won't rally. But on major issues, on serious issues, that is when they will form groups, rally, take sides, join forces, make a common cause. Alright? So from this is the word hizb. A company of people assembling themselves on account of an event that has befallen them. On account of an event that is too serious to them. That is very important to them. Alright? So these were different, different ahzab. And what is it that brought them together outside of Medina? What is it that brought them together? Their hatred, their enmity for Islam. So they all formed a coalition over here. So, يَحْزَبُونَ الْأَحْزَابَ لَمْ يَذْهَبُوا The hypocrites think that the companies, the confederates have not yet withdrawn. وَإِنْ يَأْتِ الْأَحْزَابُ And if the companies should come again, if they would come back again after a month, after two years, what would the hypocrites do? يَوَدُّوا They would wish. يَوَدُّوا from wow dal dal would to love and from this to desperately want something. So يَوَدُّوا They would wish لَوْ أَنَّهُمْ If indeed they بَادُونَ فِي الْأَعْرَابِ They were بَادُون They would wish that they would be بَادُون بَادُون is a plural of the word بَادِن بَادِن Alright, meaning بَا alif with a dal and under the dal you have two Kasra. Alright? Badin is from the word badu. Have you heard of the word badu? Alright? Bada literally means to be visible. Alright? Now in the desert, everything's visible. Everything's clear. You can't hide in the desert, can you? If something is really far also, it will be visible. Alright? Because there's nothing to hide under. So, baduna meaning that they would be desert dwellers. Okay? That they were nowhere near the city of Medina. They were desert dwellers. Fil Arab amongst the Bedouins. Arab is a plural of Arabi. Alright. Yes, Aluna, they would ask, An Amba'ikum about your news. What does it mean by this? That even though the Ahzab have left, 
the battle of Ahzab is over, the confederates have gone. Still the hypocrites are so afraid that after this episode, they still think that the enemy is right there. This shows the fear they have of the enemy. They're so terrified. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if ever in the future, the confederates do come again, if they do join forces again to fight the Muslims, what would these hypocrites want at that time for themselves? They would want to be somewhere in the desert, living amongst the Bedouins, alright, living like hermits, their private isolated lives, far, far from the Muslims, far from the city of Medina, just finding out from afar the news of the Muslims that what's going on? Is there any update? You understand? So basically, in the future, they don't want to have anything to do with the Muslims. Because they're afraid. This is how the hypocrites were. وَلَوْ كَانُوا فِيكُمْ Allah says, and if they were among you, if in the future an incident like this happens again, if these hypocrites would be among you, مَا قَاتَلُوا إِلَّا قَلِيلًا They would not fight except for a little. Just like this time, they didn't really participate much. Even in the future, don't expect much participation from them. They would only show up out of fear of being condemned. They would only participate a little bit out of fear of being condemned. So really, these people, they are not your friends. So do not expect them to support you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the believers over here that these people will not help you, they will not support you, they will not work with you, they will leave you to struggle alone. So you should not be like them. Rather, who is it that you should be like? Like the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who is an excellent example for you as mentioned in the following ayah. Now what do we learn from ayah number 20? What lesson can we extract for ourselves? What lesson can we extract for ourselves? Think about it. How can we make this ayah a source of inspiration for us? Anything you learned for yourself? Yes. There always needs to be a sense of unity and support within the Muslim community. If another brother or sister of ours is going through something, we can't leave them to you know, suffer this on their own. So we have to be there to support each other. So like, I mean, the, the hypocrites wanted to run away and then separate themselves from the Muslims. We can't do that. We have to go and support them. Exactly. That if any of our you know, acquaintances, any Muslim brother or sister, we know that they are struggling in their life, any kind of struggle they're facing, what is our obligation as someone who's related to them through faith? Abandon them at that time? No. Be a source of support for them. Be a source of assistance for them. Because when we come together, we are stronger. We are stronger. And if we leave each other, then we are weaker. Alright? So this ayah again shows us the importance of unity for the believers. Next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ لَقَدْ certainly كَانَ there is لَكُمْ for you فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ in the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ أُسْوَةٌ an example حَسَنَةٌ excellent, beautiful. Your role model is who? The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But look at the word that is used for example. It's the word uswa. And the word uswa is from the root letters hamza seen wow. Alright, it's a beautiful word. Asa or aswun. Alright, asa alif seen ya. Or asu alif seen wow. 
It means to nurse or to dress a wound. Okay? To nurse or to dress a wound. Have you ever had any wound of yours dressed or taken care of by somebody? I remember as a child once I fell and I cut my knee really bad. And as I was looking at the knee, I actually widened the cut. All right. So basically I had to get stitches done. So recall any time like that when you had stitches on your skin or somebody cleaning up all the blood and you know applying some ointment or something like that. This is asu. Alright? Does it require patience from the person who is being treated? Of course. Because you can't even move your leg, can you? You can't even move your hand. You want to just pull your hand away, but you can't do that. Isn't it? You can bite your other hand in pain, but you can't pull that hand away, the hand that is being dressed. Correct? So it requires a lot of sabr. And when you are being treated, then the person who is treating you, do they console you? Do they console you? They do, right? It's almost over. Just a minute. Just a second. You're so brave. You're so strong. You know, they keep talking to you so that you don't even think about the pain. Isn't it? So, asa, asu, to nurse, to dress a wound. And from this, the word is used for being patient or to console. The asi bihi. The asi bihi. It is said, he was patient. That person was patient. So you take example from him and be consoled. Alright? That you are in pain, but think about the other person who was in pain before you, and they were so patient. So if they could be patient, inshallah, you can also be patient. The asa is he took patience, he got sabr, he took example, how? By the example of another who had suffered in like manner and had been patient. You know, for example, if you are suffering in any way, right? If you are in some physical pain, emotional pain, any kind of pain that you're going through, how is it that you get sabr over there? By thinking about what? Various thoughts. One could be, inshallah, it'll be over. Another is, oh, somebody else I know went through the exact same thing. Right? They survived, inshallah, I can also survive. Isn't it? You get hope, you get sabr by taking others as example. But who as an example? Someone who has gone through the same thing that you are going through. Someone who has suffered in the same way that you are suffering from. And you learn that they did sabr, so then you also get sabr. Alright? So from this, the word uswa is used for an object of imitation, an example, a pattern, a person by whom one takes example. This is who an uswa is. Someone whom you take as an example. Why? Because your condition and their condition is similar. How is it similar? In grief, in suffering, in mourning. You understand? So, when you take them as an example, because they suffered in the same way, that brings you sabr. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us over here that, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا For you in the Messenger of Allah is an excellent example. Because no matter what test you suffer from in your life, you will always find that the Prophet ﷺ suffered more. Isn't it?
Like for example, a terrible, terrible headache even. Alright? Constant headaches or constant physical pain, fever. Alright? What do you learn? That the Prophet ﷺ, the pain that he experienced in illness was double. You know, once a sahabi went to visit the Prophet ﷺ, and he had fever at that time. And when he touched the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ was really, really warm. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, you have very high fever. Is it, is it because you will have more reward? Because that kind of fever, for that sahabi, it was a kind of fever that he had never ever felt or seen before, witnessed before. And the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, his suffering was double. His fever was double compared to the fever of an average person. I mean, just think about the battle of Ahzab. Could there be a difficulty, a trial as worse as this? The battle of Ahzab. Can you imagine? It was extremely difficult. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling all the believers over here, take Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a role model for yourself. But this is for who? Liman, for the one who kana, he was yarjullaha, he has hope of Allah. Yarju raja, to have hope. He has hope, meaning his hope is in Allah. That my suffering is not going to go in vain, Allah will reward. Wal yawmal akhir. And he also hopes the last day, meaning he hopes for reward in the last day, for forgiveness on the last day. Wa dhakarallaha kathira, and he remembers Allah much. So for a person whose goal is Allah, for a person whose goal is the last day, for a person who remembers Allah much because he loves Allah, he believes in Allah, then he will find the Prophet ﷺ to be the perfect role model. Because the one who wants Allah, the last day, who remembers Allah much, he will face trials in life, for sure. And in those trials, through those trials, he will find solace and comfort by looking at who? The example of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because what was his goal? Allah. What was his goal? The last day. What was his habit? Dhakarallah kathira. If we just look at the battle of Ahzab, how is it that the Prophet ﷺ was during this extreme difficulty? We see that the digging of the trench itself was a very difficult task. Right? Because think about it. They were digging not with big machinery. They were digging with what? With tools that they had made with their own hands. Right? So what kind of tools do you think they had? Simple ones. And they were digging and carrying the mud out of the trench on their own backs. You know that? Because if you dig and you have a whole lot of mud, you have to take it out. How do you take it out? They would carry it themselves in their own hands on their own backs. And they had to do this in a very short period of time. And the Prophet ﷺ himself participated in the digging of the trench. In a hadith in Bukhari, we learned Barra radiallahu anhu, he said, I saw the Messenger of Allah ﷺ on the day of the battle of the trench, carrying mud. Carrying mud. From where? Out of the trench. Alright? And he was carrying mud till the hair of his chest were covered in mud. The Prophet ﷺ, he was carrying so much mud, repeatedly, again and again, that Barra said the Prophet ﷺ's chest was covered in mud. And it made the skin of his abdomen out of my sight. Meaning you couldn't even see his stomach. You couldn't see it. Because it was covered in mud. Caked. Literally. He was working like a laborer. 
taking mud out himself physically on his back with his hands carrying it with his arms and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at that time he was reciting verses of poetry he was saying allahumma laula anta mahtadaina wala tasaddaqna wala sallayna fanzilan sakinatan alayna wa thabbit alaqdama illa qayna inna alaada'a qad baghaw alayna idha aradu fitnatan abayna oh allah were it not for you we would not have been guided you see the munafiqeen at this time when the enemy came what were they doing They were afraid, they were complaining, they were angry, they were upset with the Prophet ﷺ, they were upset with Allah, they were discouraging the Muslims. And look at the Prophet ﷺ, what is he appreciating? The blessing of Islam. That this difficulty has come upon us because of Islam. Well, Islam is such a huge blessing. It's okay. He said, Oh Allah, were it not for you, we would not have been guided. Nor would we have given in charity. Nor would we have prayed. So bestow upon us calmness when we meet the enemy. Make our feet firm. For indeed, if they want to put us in affliction, meaning they want to fight us, then we would not flee. Meaning if these people are coming to fight us, we're not going to run away. So, oh Allah, you give us the strength. And the Prophet ﷺ would keep repeating these verses, motivating the companions also. Sahal bin Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said that we were with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the trench. And some people were digging the trench while we were carrying the earth on our shoulders. So the mud, some people were digging it out and others were carrying it on their shoulders out of the trench. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he saw the state of the companions, he said, Allahumma la aisha illa aishul akhirah, faghfir lil muhajireena wal ansar. Oh Allah, there is no life except the life of the hereafter. Because the trials of this world, what do they teach you? What do they teach you? The imperfection of this dunya. Isn't it? Because you want to live in peace. But other people, they don't want to let you live in peace. Right? You want to forget about the problems, but they keep bringing the problems. Isn't it? You have no intention to bother other people. But other people, they just get bothered by your existence. Right? So the people of Makkah, they weren't letting the Muslims live. They kept coming. So these trials in life, what do they teach us? The imperfection of this dunya. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said at that time, Oh Allah, there is no life except the life of the hereafter. That is real life. In another hadith, we learned Jabir radiallahu anhu, he said, we were digging the trench on the day of Khandaq, and we came across a big solid rock. And they tried really hard to break it, to get it to come out, and they weren't able to. So they went to the Prophet sallallahu and they said, Ya Rasulullah, here's a rock appearing across the trench, and we cannot get it out. So the Prophet sallallahu said, I am coming. Jabir radiallahu anhu said, the Prophet sallallahu got up. And when he got up, his shirt... You know, it kind of moved a little bit. So Jabir radiallahu anhu saw the stomach of the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, I saw that a stone was tied to his belly. He had put a stone on his stomach and then tied it around his stomach. Why? Why would people do that in extreme hunger? In extreme hunger. So Jabir radiallahu anhu, he said the Prophet ﷺ, he came and he basically broke the rock. He moved it. 
and that shows the strength of the Prophet ﷺ also. And then Jabir anhu he asked the Prophet ﷺ, please excuse me, I would like to go home for some time. The Prophet ﷺ allowed him, Jabir anhu went quickly, and Jabir anhu by the way, he was a teenager, okay? And he was married at this time. And he went home, he asked his wife, do we have anything to eat? And she said, very little. So he said, prepare it, and I will go call Rasulullah ﷺ. And she said, don't embarrass me. Meaning only call the Prophet ﷺ. Don't get a whole lot of people because you're going to embarrass me. Because this is all I have. So Jabir who went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, very quietly, I have some food if you would like to come and eat and bring along a few people. And the Prophet ﷺ made an announcement. He said, oh people of the trench, come. And the Prophet ﷺ took so many companions with him to the house of Jabir. When they got there, the wife of Jabir she got so upset with him. She said, what have you done? Didn't I warn you? Didn't I tell you? And he said, I, I didn't do this. The Prophet ﷺ did that. Then the Prophet ﷺ, he helped prepare the food in fact. And when the food was prepared, he took the bread himself, he would break it and he would put some meat on it and he would pass it. Himself. All right? He gave it to the Sahaba over there. They all ate. And Jabir who said, there were at least 80 people that ate from that food. And when everybody had eaten, they had left, the Prophet ﷺ told the wife of Jabir, people are hungry. People are hungry. So don't keep the food just to yourself. He was encouraging her that even though you have very little, don't keep it just to yourself, give it to others. This is one of the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ in fact. This is the barakah, the blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave at that time. But first and foremost, it shows to us the hardship the Prophet ﷺ himself went through. Of hunger, of hard work, of fear. He didn't back off. He was there at the forefront. He was a source of inspiration for the companions. He was a source of strength for them. And over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ Any difficulty, whether it's financial or it's physical, it's emotional, it's social, any kind of difficulty you're going through, take inspiration from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But only the one who wants Allah, Allah's pleasure, the one who wants ajr in the hereafter, the one who remembers Allah, he will find Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as a perfect example. Because that is who the Prophet ﷺ was. He himself strove for Allah's pleasure. He himself strove for the home of the hereafter. He himself remembered Allah much. So if we have similar goals, then Rasulullah ﷺ will be an ideal example for us. But if our goals are different, then Rasulullah's life will not be an example for us. Then his suffering will not be an example for us. So we really have to ask ourselves, what is it that I want in my life? What is it that I am striving towards? Because he's an example for لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Recitation يَحْسَبُونَ الْأَحْزَابَ لَمْ يَذْهَبُوا وَإِنْ يَأْتِ الْأَحْزَابُ يَوَدُّوا لَوْ أَنَّهُمْ بَادُونَ فِي الْأَعْرَابِ يَسْأَلُونَ عَنْ أَنْبَاءِكُمْ 
ولو كانوا فيكم ما قاتلوا إلا قليلا لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا 